well in your beds. Because if this thing comes true, there ain't gonna be any more. It's an elevator. Somebody sent those dead up here to get us. Now, there's no controls inside, but there's maintenance overrides in there. I was wrong. We were so wrong. We must leave. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Hey, Eric, how's it going? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? Uh, not bad, Phil. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, mediocre, but uh, working things out, so it'll be fine. It's all good. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Matt. All right, how's it going? Doing good. Excellent. Uh, so folks who are curious, uh, first off, uh, this is July 7th. 2022 that we were recording this uh, for folks who are curious because some of our listeners like Pam are always curious when we record our episodes because they don't necessarily come out the day or the week after they're recorded though this one should probably come out pretty quick um, so for folks who have stumbled upon us or our regulars uh, we are a dark discussions podcast part of the dark discussions news network which is www.darkdiscussions.com it's a website that has many podcasts including the original, which is this one, uh, and it also has other things as well. Uh, Eric, what else can people find on that website? Well, they can find a bunch of stuff, but uh, one of the things they can find is a link to our Patreon account. Patreon allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like us. Producing the show is not free. We have to pay for things like uh, website hosting and audio file servers and computer equipment and movie rentals and so on and so forth. So if you'd like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or follow the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com for every five mile yeah, for every five dollars a month that you contribute, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly do a show on. We take all the submissions and draw one at random on a quarterly basis. Uh, and all, any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. And and even though it's the new quarter, uh, we're not necessarily prepped to do an episode pull tonight, but I think I think we may <laughs> we be able do it next to. week. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're, we're gonna pull behind anyway. So <laughs> indeed. So we'll, we'll pull it next week. Uh, but, but it would be useful. What's that? For our uh, past, present, and potentially future Patreon supporters to check to see if the movie you want us to review is actually available legally. Because yes. Uh, We've had a few occasions where movies have to be put on hold because you can't get it without because it's out of print 
Yeah, yeah we, the only we way have to one in permanent. Spend one hundred twenty-five dollars on eBay. So. Yeah. Yeah, we do have one on permanent hold or, or temporary hold, but hold nonetheless. Uh, Pretty sure I have the DVD, but I, you know, everybody I else too. But I, I'd have to search for it, and yeah, you can't rent it or anything anywhere, which is kind of bizarre. Um, all right, so we'll pull that next week. Um, so you can email us at darkdiscussions at aol dot com or press the darkdiscussions dot uh, com websites link on the menu. Uh, which is contact us and send us an email that way. Just put in the topic something to do with doc discussions or 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 whatever, and we'll know it's for this podcast here. And we will read your podcast message on this podcast. And I believe we do have one message tonight. Uh, and Barrett, I think uh, you have it all queued up to read. I do. <clears throat> Hi, all. Hope you are well and groovy. Greetings from Northeast Blighty Durham. Not to be confused with Durham in North Carolina, where the staircase is based. If that guy's not guilty, then I'm good in bed. Just got back from the flicks, watched the black phone. A recommendation for me, not brilliant, but very good. Some good jump scares, and Ethan Hawke was a proper creepy bastard. On TV, absolutely loving the boys. As Big Billy Butcher would say, crazy cunts. But I know you Yanks don't like that word, but over here we fucking love it. Recently, my daughter has finished The Shining book, and I've recommended Salem's Lot for her next read. We also have The Shining Blu-ray and all Evil Dead films to watch together. Isn't horror so productive for bonding? She definitely takes after me for the scream gene, as she proudly announced that she watched Hereditary and The Conjuring by herself. Anyway, thanks everyone for the always excellent podcasts. I really look forward to them. Anyway... Senora for now, cousins across the pond, and as the great Lemmy once sang, rock with you, rock out with your cock out, unless you're Chrissy, of course. Peace, bros and sisters. John Appleby, the UK, England. Very good. Uh, I wonder how <laughs> old his daughter is. Hey, he, didn't, he didn't say, right? Because I wonder if she's oh, fourteen. That was, that was, or she's seven. Well, that, that was certainly appreciated, but an odd letter. I'm. Just probably because you had to run it through Google Translate um, since it's coming from overseas. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for uh, for chiming in and giving us an enthusiastic review. Indeed, indeed. And it was all uh, coincidental that uh, one of the films you mentioned tonight is our topic tonight. So I think we can probably get into that now. Uh, oh, we'll, 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 we'll bring it, it up now. Uh, James Conn passed away. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll be talking about him in an upcoming a tribute episode. Uh, if we have time, we'll we'll talk about a little about him at the end of this episode, if we have um, time. Yes. One thing I want to mention very quickly, uh, since time is pressing, and I know it's hard to believe, but some people don't listen to podcasts all the way to the end. So if anyone's actually interested in uh, meeting some of the Dark Discussions podcast hosts, there are two events coming up, one at the end of Ju- uh, July, one at the end of August. Uh, we're going to be at the Scares of Care Charity Weekend event in um, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Williamsburg. Uh, that it, right. In the last weekend of July. Uh, and then we're going to be having a meetup in Mystic, Connecticut in, I think, it's August 19th, 20th. Yep. yep. So if anyone wants to come, I'll be at both. Phil will be at both. Barrett, where will you be? You'll be I at both. For- You'll be uh, yeah, I will for sure be at Mystic. Uh, scares the care I should be at. Okay, and Eric? I cannot make it to Scares the Care. 
but I support the charity completely. Uh, you will, will be a mistake. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, the, some of our other listeners have uh, told us that they plan to come at least to uh, the Mystic event. So usually what we do is we get together, we have dinner on Friday night, and we catch a movie and record an episode the next day. Uh, we'll have to see what's playing, because hopefully we won't end up watching like something like Minions. We'll hopefully <laughs> have something. Yeah, we'll have to I, I see. There is something coming out, I think, the the week before. So if everybody could refrain from watching whatever that is, you know. Indeed. That lightning's at least a month away. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, A little longer than a month, to be honest. So that's good. Uh, All right. So let's uh, get into our topic tonight. Uh, And uh, it seems like Mr. Appleby mentioned it in his email. And uh, Eric, what is that we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about a movie currently in theaters based on a short story written by Joe Hill called Black Phone. I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Cynthia's tonight. The snow. The fire. The papers call him the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you. And he doesn't really take kids that safe. You goof. You goof. Isn't that just peachy, King? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part-time magician. Are those back alone tonight? Would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement to make. One of our students, Finney Blake, was abducted. What if I could help the police find Penny? Doesn't work. Not since I was a kid. I'll scream. I'll scratch your face. This face? Daddy, I had a dream about it. What happened in your dream? He was taken. By a man with black balloons? Yes. We never released those details. from down there. There's a combination lock on the inside of the storm door. What's the combination? I carved it in the wall. Hang up the phone! The tree, the door, the gate. I've never seen it before except in my dreams. You don't have much time. You're going to use a weapon. You raise the phone, step back, and swing. Look what you made me do. Please hurry! You remember what I told you? There's someday I have to stand up for myself. Someday is today, Finn.
that's right. Uh, the Black Phone is a brand new film that has made it to theaters. Um, the film, as uh, Eric mentioned, was uh, written by Joe Hill, uh, birth named Joseph King, uh, the son of Stephen King. Uh, the film uh, was released by Blumhouse and is uh, the reteaming of pretty much everybody from Sinister. Uh, because Scott Darkson is the director, and Scott Darkson and C. Robert Cargill are the co-screenwriters, and Ethan Hawke and James Ransone are back uh, for this film as well. Uh, Scott Darkson uh, had already set this film into motion even before he was uh, going to direct the latest Doctor Strange film, uh, but due to... Uh, differences with uh, the Disney Corporation or Marvel or whoever actually that whatever division it is uh, he decided to drop out uh, Sam Raimi took over and he went straight to this film here uh, and made this film uh, the film is getting uh, fairly good reviews 83% uh, if you follow Rotten Tomatoes um, the film has a production budget around 16 to 18 million and it says box office I assume worldwide but maybe just North America is 80.6 million. Uh, so it's done pretty it's well. well yeah, okay. Uh, September 25th, 2021, it appeared during the festivals, specifically Fantastic Fest, but it was released uh, pretty much everywhere uh, in June of 2022, including the UK, um, but also here in the United States. Um, all right. So I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, I guess I'll start. Um, well, I've always been a fan of Dar Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Uh, C. Robert Cargill, I actually uh, was the very first podcaster and podcast show I ever listened to like 12 or 13 years ago because he used to be on spill.com and one of the co-hosts there. Uh, so I've, I've known about him for a long time. He quit that and, and uh, went on to start doing a screen plays because he was a movie reviewer prior to that. Uh, Scott Darkson, uh, I heard of because of Sinister and Sinister is like one of the best horror films, uh, in my opinion that I've seen. And since we've done this podcast, uh, it's a great film. I check it back every uh, Halloween and, uh, whatnot. Um, so, uh, my opinion on this film here. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, I heard about it because of Chrissy. Uh, she mentioned that it was coming out, uh, prior to that, I had no idea because I, even though I followed Derrickson and Cargill, I just hadn't been paying attention. Uh, but she brought it to our attention, so we decided to do the episode. And yeah, it's really good. Uh, it'll probably be a top twenty. Uh, I'm not sure where. Uh, it could be a top ten. Not really sure. Uh, but again, I, I was comparing it to Sinister, and Sinister was just a masterpiece, I feel. Uh, but all in all, uh, I recommend here, definitely worth going to the theaters to see, just for the fact that uh, you don't get to see many good, great or good horror films at theaters. And this one uh, is most certainly uh, a top-notch film. Uh, let's go to you, Eric. Um, yeah, I, I honestly can't remember how I initially heard about this film. I heard about it a while ago. Um, and then saw it when it was listed as coming out in the movie releases. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I enjoyed it more immediately after watching it than after I had time to sit and think about it for a while. If you think about it too much, there's some things that you're like, well, how come this 
person didn't notice this or do that or the other thing. Um, but it doesn't kill the movie. Um, I thought the acting was generally strong. The, uh, her two child actors in this movie. Well, actually there's more than two. There are two main child actors in this movie who I thought were generally good. If a little inconsistent, um, Ethan Hawke is amazing. <laughs> and Scott Derrickson is, he knows how to direct a movie. Um, it's set in the seventies and I really enjoyed the aesthetic of the movie, uh, in that regard. Um, so yeah, uh, overall I would, I, I have positive feelings about this movie. It may end up on my top 20 at the end of the year. All right. Sounds good. Right, let's go here, Mike. Yeah. So I first heard about this a long time ago. It feels like, um, I first found out about it through, I'm sure a, uh, a theatrical trailer when it was supposed to be getting released as a January release. Uh, and then it kept getting pushed back and I was surprised to see it was, uh, I think it was January, February, but when you usually drop, you know, not terribly highly anticipated horror films because there's no competition. And then suddenly it was moved to June, which was amazing because either they were trying to bury it or they had a lot of confidence in it. And, um, the word of mouth was really strong. And I think I've been seeing the trailer in it now for at least, like eight months in theaters. It seemed to be playing in like every other film I went to see. Um, I really like the film. Uh, I think it says something that I like this film so much. And yet I don't think it's going to be uh, like in my top five films that I've seen so far this year. This has been a very, very strong year. Uh, and I've been fortunate. A lot of the, the films that we've also reviewed like curse I've managed to catch in theaters um that i also liked that's uh but this is a, a solid film i actually rewatched it yesterday uh so i saw it first opening weekend and then enough time it, it we went two weeks i said let me refresh my memory i had nothing to do last night so i went to see it again and uh yeah i think actually it was stronger on a second watch there's things i picked up that i didn't pick up on the first time um i have one nitpick which is not a minor nitpick uh, but you know, they, they, which they try to brush away with a line of dialogue. Um, but other than that, uh, I think it's really solid. I think it's really well done. Uh, Ethan Hawke really, uh, gives a solid performance. The kids are fine for what they are, you know, for what's required of them. Um, and I think it's just a nicely paced, nicely crafted story. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so, uh, once again, the film stars, um, Ethan Hawke, James Ransone, Jeremy Davies as the, as the three adults, and then Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw as uh, the, the two lead actress and actresses. Are you skipping me, Phil? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. Sorry, <laughs> go, go ahead, Barry. Oh, you're about to ask. Man. Go ahead, Barry. Sorry about All that. Right. The man without an opinion, Barrett. <laughs> okay, so I really, really enjoyed this film. I thought Ethan Hawke was just awesome in it. Um, I thought the pacing was really good. There are some minor things that, you know, I could quibble about in this film. Um, I thought the two kids did pretty awesome for their age, especially the girl. Um, so it was a very enjoyable film. It kept me at the edge of my seat all the way through it. It was very tense. Um, so if you're looking for a psychological horror, that's very tense all the way through, this is definitely it. All right. Sounds good. 
Um, all right. Uh, so it appears that we all liked it uh, to some certain extent. Uh, some of us a little more than others, but all of us probably think it's uh, close to a, at least a top 20. Um, I think uh, um, Barrett liked it the most, and Eric and then me and Mike are probably identical. Uh, and there is a couple of flaws that we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but uh, generally, it was a it was a, a solid film. So, uh, Eric, do we have a wiki? Wiki, wiki. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. All right. So, um, what folks uh, may or may not know about the Dark Discussions podcast, uh, how we do it uh, here, we basically uh, not only review the film, uh, but we also critique and dissect the film. So uh, at a certain point, we're going to be throwing up a spoiler alert and we will talk about anything and everything because uh, this is uh, a podcast that tries to uh, find meaning and things of that nature in the movie, not just to say whether it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, but before then, we usually just talk about general stuff. And uh, so we'll do that. And at, a, at one point, we will put up the spoiler. So for the general stuff, um, well, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, did, I did find uh, the film had some uh, issues with some of the younger actors, not not the, the stars, uh, but but some of the, the quote unquote ghosts and whatnot. I agree. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Yeah. I did. I did go in completely blind. So I had no idea what this film was going to be about. Um, I didn't even know Ethan Hawke was the bad guy until or or the adult lead and yet not the real lead because the kids uh the bo- the boy is is the real lead so uh, i i was completely surprised with the with the whole film because uh it's kind of cool going and not knowing anything reading anything seeing a trailer or, or whatnot um but that, that that was my experience um yeah so so barry you felt some of the the supporting cast children had some yeah some of them some of them were not the greatest actors in so the beginning is kind of uneven for that because you get a fair amount of school time in the beginning Mm -hmm. um and some of that's a little bit eh, as far as the acting but the two main kids i think pull everything off pretty well yeah they were pretty solid uh i mean i can i can forgive the uh some of the ghost stuff because you know they're ghosts um who knows what ghosts are going to act like, but you know what? It's, it's a, it's still not an A-list film. They probably didn't have time to do like all the, the, the multiple takes that you might need to get to craft a good performance from a kid, yeah. uh, especially with the uh, roles that are intended to prevent uh, for some reason, child abuse uh, in motion picture productions. Uh, and, you know, so I think they're serviceable. I yeah. think that if I don't think anyone except their parents were going to see the film for, you know, the bully in the bathroom. Uh <laughs> and I'm sure the parents were perfectly fine with the performance he gave. Um right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the kid that knew how to the short well the kid that knew how to fight, um, his performance was probably the least even of the bunch. Um but again, um you know, these are these are just minor things compared to the the rest of the film, and 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 so uh, it's uh, forgivable, I guess. Yeah, and his acting is kind of outweighed by his story because his story's kind of neat. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, um, I like the the video game boy. He he was he was probably the the best of the the, <laughs> the ghosts. He was pretty awesome. Um, well, yeah, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. he was also, I think, older than the other kids, right? Because I mentioned he had been yeah. left back a couple of times, and that's right, that's right. I just liked how his character acted too, in the sense that he was calm, relaxed, and stuff, and then he just snaps because someone screwed up his his, <laughs> That's his game. His game. And, and then the, the, and after that, he was just full of rage, and it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, there ahead, was Art. one aspect of this movie I didn't particularly enjoy, and this is a personal thing, um, and Mike's probably going to yell at me for it, but um, it had several jump scares that were my least favorite type of jump scare. Uh, which is the, accompanied by a overly loud stinger uh, of music and noise. Um, <laughs> like, I, I just don't, it annoys the, me. Cause the, like, the, the insidious effect. Yeah, it's not a scare. It's You're, you're startling me. It's the same as the, like, yeah. if you slam a book in my ear, uh, I'll jump. It's not because it was scary. It's because it's loud and annoying that I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> where I personally prefer the type of jump scare where they just like show something behind the character out of focus um, without any kind of sound accompaniment. And you're, you, you just notice it and you're like, oh, holy shit. Um, I prefer that personally. Um, so it could have done without the loud stingers on the jump scares. Well, and it had a little bit of both, right? I mean, it's just the the loud ones definitely kind of stand out more because they are more <laughs> annoying. <laughs> yeah, I I can think of two off the top of my head from the film that uh, got got a startle response from me. I mean, I, it's it depends. Like you can talk about the uh, like a jump scare, the uh, the blood scene from the thing, you know, where there's not a uh-huh. loud yeah. thinger, but you have like this the the screech from the blood. Right, right. The fire hits. So it, it's it's just that for some of these they were there really was not a setup, right? The, you can look and see how the that scene from the thing was set up for you know the, and the screen came from minutes the beforehand. You know, it wasn't it wasn't wasn't the screecher of a music or something to make you jump. Right. Up. It was part of the movie. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's still it's still the same thing. Still using the sound to scare you yeah. just where's the sound coming from. Sure. The technique is not all that different. I think it's just set up way better in the thing where here it is literally two things. They're like, la, 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 boo. <laughs> um, and it's more the equivalent of, hey, you want to see, you know, watch this really interesting video, study it carefully. And then the ghost face jumps up and my wife drops her, yeah. her tablet and, and it breaks. <laughs> and um, so that's that's a negative. But uh, I, I overall did enjoy the film. Um, and I, I particularly appreciated the work they did, um, establishing the brother and the sister before the kidnapping yes. happens. Oh yeah, um, that was great. That really gives you some stakes for the rest of the movie. Sure. <laughs> what I liked about that, it takes, that's about a third of the film, like, or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only 90 minutes. It's about 20, 30 minutes before you get to the, the main abduction. But and, it's not boring, right? It's just It's awesome. not boring. And I think there there would be a tendency to start with the abduction and then mm-hmm. sort of backfill the story later. Here I was, they establish. I was, I was actually surprised the lead boy was the one that was going to be abducted. I, because, again, I went in blind, so I didn't know what was going to happen. You know? But anyway, continue. They 
Um, it allows you to, to find out what's going on, see it from the perspective of the community. It allows you to get to know we, uh, two of the victims before they're abducted. If you, and something I didn't pick up on or, or didn't really remember is they do mention several of the victims in the early part of the film who are the ghosts that he's going to interact with later. And you just, I didn't just latch onto the names, but one of them was uh, the, the pinball Vance. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they have a joke about that. Is it don't say with the Instagrammer got pinball Vance. He said, you know, don't call him that. And said, what? Everybody calls him pinball Vance. Um, <laughs> and that was a joke. And I completely forgotten about that because it was a very quick flyby joke. There's a lot of information to process. And then in the final act of the film uh, or close to it, you meet pinball Vance playing the pinball machine. And I didn't pick up on that, but on the rewatch, I was like, oh, right. Pinball Vance. They, okay. So they mentioned mm-hmm. him earlier in the film. And so they seed all this stuff there. And so they're build the world first. They don't feel the need to just throw you in there really slow the story down, drag out the time that he's in the basement with putting in excessive amounts of flashbacks and cutaways. Um, and I think just having him in that basement for the hour or so he's in there is, is about the right amount of time. Well, and it's cool because they don't do the flashbacks in a normal way. They're done throughout, throughout by using someone's power to do so. Yeah, and, and, they, and they, I appreciated they only- that. And they only show the flashbacks when we're introduced to um, the characters, yeah. at least in, in quote unquote in person, for the first time. And that's the only yep. time they, they do the flashback. So, yeah, it worked. Um, otherwise, they would have to done like, you know, uh, two years before or one year before, right. even before the movie started. <laughs> you know, but they didn't have to do that. So that was pretty good. Um, yeah, so my theater experience, what was that? I was going to say, I thought the color palette was really well done as well. It was nice and drab and just you had this feeling of despair almost. Yeah, it had a good 70s feel to it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it takes place in what, 79, I think? 70, yeah, 78, 78. 78. Yeah, yeah. And Den- outside of Denver or, or the Den- Denver suburbs or something like that. And I'm, I'm guessing because it's at the beginning of the film, uh, Finney is playing baseball. So I'm going to guess it's spring. Yeah, makes sense. And they mentioned that Vance was abducted last spring, so I'm guessing that overall yeah. the, the this whole thing has been going on for about a year by the time we pick it up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because they're still in school, and uh, baseball starts usually in the spring and it go ends to autumn. But baseball for kids usually is only spring and early summer, if that. And and so uh, it makes sense that it was near the end of school rather than. Uh, the beginning of school. Uh, so like you said, about a year. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. So my uh, theater experience, um, yeah, I went to a theater that, that, uh, is being re renovated cause it was closed and then the chain and then it was bought out by another chain. And so, uh, you, you buy the ticket yourself, you just walk in. They didn't check me. It was a Friday. So I had the day off from, from work. And, um, so I went in the theater, didn't even know if it was the right film. So I just, there was these two women about my age that were in the back. So I just stood up and I asked them, hey, is this black food? And then um, they said, yeah. And, and so they started talking to me for a little bit. Uh, it was kind of cool. And then every so often they would um, 
say something during the the film and stuff. Uh, but uh, it, it was good. They were they were fine. Uh, so my experience was pretty good. Um, I think they kind of were hitting on me too, but that, that was <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were. But it was it was pretty awesome. Um, everybody's hitting. Yeah, I've, been, I've 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 done pretty good this this year, even though I'm not even looking. Uh, too bad I wasn't like that when I was younger, when I had to do all the work. Um, but it was uh, a good experience. They they had a fun time, and uh, I did as well. Um, and it was only the three of us. Uh, anybody else have a good theater experience, or were you stuck in like big crowds? I assume this film didn't have huge oh, crowds. No, no, no. This one had an early showing, so I was able to avoid assholes. I went to a really late showing, and there were some people in there, but it wasn't a lot. Gotcha. What about you, Mike? Uh, we, you uh, well, the first time I saw it was the Saturday morning. Uh, actually, not Saturday morning. Saturday, early Saturday afternoon, like one fifteen, one forty-five, um, at the at a larger mall uh, in Rockway, New Jersey. Um, it was a big theater. There were not a lot of people in there. Uh, we just happened to go there because that's where the iPhone store is. And Pam had to get a new phone. Um, and I, that wasn't much. Then I went yesterday, like I said, about six forty-five. Now we're recording on a Thursday. So we went on a Wednesday middays. Theaters are usually not busy. And if they are, it's usually the Tuesday at AMC's because there's the $5 days or whatever the half price days. And I was surprised the theater was, and I was in one of their smaller theaters but it was kind of packed. Um, there were not a lot of good seats left by the time I, I bought my tickets because it was a last minute decision. Um, so I was kind of surprised by that and seemed to get a good response. But the audiences were fine. I, I don't know what it is with the assholes in the audience in Michigan. Right. Well, I think you nailed it at the end of the sentence there. Great. And, and you are a, a, a um, in a college town, so that doesn't help either, I'm sure. But... Um, all right, true. All right, all right. So, uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? Uh, just ra- random stuff about the film and all that. I, I know the RogerEbert.com website, they give it four out of four stars, so that's pretty uh, impressive. Um, no, I did, uh, I did have the opportunity to read the short story today, uh, before we started recording. Um, so I'll be, uh, doing some comparisons once we get past the spoiler flag. In the there book, are in the book, in the book, significant book, book. differences as these short stories only 20 pages long. In a book, in a book, in a book, book. Now, are they <laughs> changes or additions? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> patience, <laughs> Mike. Patience. Indeed. Uh, all right. So, uh, anything else anybody want to bring up? That's general stuff. Um, uh, I'll just say one thing. Uh, James Ransom's, uh, even though it was a, a kind of a kooky role, um, his his role was pretty awesome. Uh, He's always like, fun in a movie. I like I like his his roles and stuff. He's fun. Yeah, yeah. His, his, I, I, see the brother. I've, yeah, he's the brother. Yeah, he, he's 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 deputy so and so from the senator. All right, oh, and I right. actually know yeah. him from uh, the second uh, season yeah. of The Wire. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. And he's yep. in, yeah, uh, right, two, part two. Yeah, and yeah, he's always placed these sort of fun, weird, quirky guys. It's just weird because it's making me feel old because. The second season from The Wire is like 2002. So it's been well, 20 years. Shut up. And uh, yeah, so he's not like in that movie. He's playing the younger brother, like the the knucklehead 20 something year old. And 
now he's playing the, you know, this uh, older guy. I'm just, okay. Yeah, right. Well, Fine. How, how about this one, Mike? Sinister is 10 years old. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> 10 years away from being able to get a remake. Candace Cameron Bure's <laughs> kid is acting, so hey. <laughs> yeah, Ethan Hawke's daughter stars in Stranger Things. So there you go. Yeah, and you know we should say, and we've mentioned this before. Ethan Hawke has done a lot of smaller genre films of lately, and he's found a niche. Uh, every we we know, obviously, Sinister um, was it Premonition. Yeah, Premonition, and what was the one that uh, that that uh, I loved? Uh, where where he has a lock? Uh, no, the uh, pre Premonition is the one, the Australian one, the where where he turns into a, a girl and stuff. You remember that film? Spoiler warning, Phil. But but um, <laughs> yeah, the film I'm, I'm talking that about. Out. <laughs> the film I'm talking about is uh, uh, the one the one where where he gets in those the the people one day a year burn your house down. How's that called? The Purge. Purge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the Purge. The first yeah. Purge. The, name, the name of the movie is Predestination, not Premonition. Yeah, not Premonition. Thank you. Oh, and he was recently playing um, not yeah, a small yeah. part, but he was playing the villain in the. Uh, Disney Plus Moon Knight series, which is an MCU TV series, so that's kind of high profile. Gotcha. So yeah, he's uh, he's been keeping busy. He's not had a high oh, profile. He did the Northman, playing did. the king. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was that? Last big thing was Magnificent Seven, wasn't it? Uh, oh, that was pretty big. Yeah, you know what? The one I, I liked that he was in that that got uh, best picture, but it didn't win. Was uh, First Reformed. That was awesome. That was, uh, oh, that was, was uh, yeah, Paul Schrader. That that could be a cinema a la carte. It almost was uh, last time. Anything with Paul Schrader, anything Paul Schrader does, love it. It's the best. Uh, but he was in the Northman too. I didn't know that. Yeah, we'll be doing that yeah. as an episode sometime later this year. And, um, but yeah, he's good. He's good. And what I like about this is this is not a vanity project like he doesn't his face is not on screen for pretty much the entire film uh he's you get like one shot of his entire face mm-hmm. that lasts uh less than about a second or less and the rest of the time he is masked which is why i keep calling this film uh incorrectly the black mask and i don't know why i keep doing that <laughs> well i think even um, when even at that point doesn't he still have the lower mask on because it's uh, like a two-part mask well yeah. he he took it off once when when, uh, they I don't think he's ever face. completely unmasked. He either has the top or the bottom on. Well, there's a there's the scene in the end when he's in the hole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That. Yeah, he freaks out when when he gets his mm-hmm. mask taken out. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So so my point is like he, this is not like um, not that Anthony Hopkins was a big star when he did Silence of the Lambs, but this was not his attempt to do a Silence of the Lambs thing because his face is obscured. The one time we actually do see um, his face. Uh, Without any kind of mask on, he's wearing like caked on white makeup and heavy and dark sunglasses and a hat. So with and he's got long, shaggy hair. So even there, his face is kind of obscured. If they didn't tell you that it was Ethan Hawke, you would probably have a hard time picking up that it was him. Well, and I listened to um, Scott Derrickson on the King cast. um, And they were talking about um, when they were getting ready to do this movie. And Ethan Hawke generally doesn't like to play antagonists. Um, 
but Scott Derrickson had worked with him before on, on Sinister and really liked him as an actor and thought he'd be fantastic. So he sent him the script anyway. And Ethan Hawke was like, well, I'll read it, but don't hold your breath. Um, and then he, he called Scott Derrickson back and uh, left a voicemail just saying something really creepy in the voice that he ended up using in the movie. <laughs> he's like, well, I guess he's in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, at the same that's, time, that's that's the thing that I thought was the most weirdest thing about this film was was seeing uh, Ethan Hawke playing the villain. I, I was not expecting that. And again, I went in blind. So it it doesn't fit right because you're right. I've never seen him really play an antagonist before. And he does magnificently in the, in this film here. Uh, Mike, you're consistent. I was going to say, I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, he's in Hollywood and. You know, maybe he didn't realize that a man with a an attraction to small boys is, is supposed to be the, the antagonist. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, well, it is Hollywood, so you may have a point there. Mike. Oh gosh! Uh, of course, we're we're just uh, joshing because uh, I'm sure Ethan Hawke is, is is not that type of person. Um, well, seems like no. good dude. Yeah, I mean, Spacey, Brian Singer. <laughs> and I would say it's more defenseless people than just. <laughs> Children. That's true, too. That's true, too. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Ethan Hawke is a husband. You know, I know he had some cheating issues and stuff with humor, but uh, generally he seems like he's an all guy otherwise. But again, it is what it is. Um, all right. So, any other things we wanted to bring up about the film in general? Anything? All right, I guess we can throw up the spoiler alert at this point. So we're going to throw up the spoiler alert. And if that means that we will talk about anything and everything related to the film. So uh, we will talk about everything, including the ending and uh, things like that. So you've been warned. If you haven't seen the film, it's readily available at theaters at this time. Um, and if you're listening to this episode a year later or two years later, I'm sure it would be on disc and VOD um or streaming or whatever so uh all right so uh the spoiler is up and we can talk about anything and everything uh my biggest issue is he should have stabbed the motherfucker uh instead of trying to run out the, the door that's what i stabbed him with uh well he's in the kitchen hundreds of knives and scissors and oh, all in that the kitchen. everywhere okay and he got to stab that motherfucker when he was sleeping and made sure he never gets up so that pissed me off and then when he ran, um, kid, that, that, that's true. That's true. But I'll give you that. But I was, a, I, I, you know, I, I think he could have escaped once you, once you're he, out. Because he, you could, he's, he's a, he's a kid who's, who's, you know, hungry, possibly dehydrated, uh, scared out of his mind and dealing with a, an, an older and, and larger, much larger. And, and then there's the ghost thing, right? And larger man, you know, if he gets close to him and he wakes up, um, he already knows he's going to get a beating if he gets caught. You know, what's going to happen to him if he gets caught with a knife in his hand ready to kill him? Well, that's fair, but, you know, I mean, the, the stress of trying to figure out a combination block versus just grabbing a knife and stabbing the motherfucker. I don't know. Or, or cut his. But you say that like it's an easy thing. That's, I mean, I know it's a horror film, and everybody's bodies in horror films are made out of jello. Uh, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Not when their neck's getting broken. 
<laughs> right, and this and this is a kid as as they said is that this is a kid who uh, does who is always afraid of throwing a punch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's fair. Yeah, they do go out of their way to show that. Yep, they do. They do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is the little the niggles I had button. with the movie. Um, after reading this story today, um, they're all due to expanding the storyline. Um, cause really there's not a whole lot to the story. Uh, what, what is still there? They actually took most of what's in the story and put it directly into the movie. Uh, like even most of the dialogue that's in the story ends up directly in the movie. Uh, but it is, it is so condensed. Um, basically, uh, it starts out right away with him getting kidnapped. Uh, there's, there's hardly anything in the story about the sister. Uh, the parents are still together. <laughs> um, uh, and he just gets one phone call in, in the basement and it's, it's from the baseball kid and all the baseball kid tells him is put dirt in the phone and whack him. And that's it. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> added a lot. <laughs> You said the dialogue was in there by, by any chance was uh dumb fucking fart knockers in there. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, no, no, no. But like the, the brothers actually in the story, believe it or not, even though it's so short. Um, and like the dialogue when he discovers him is all in the movie. Um, and when he comes back and has to kill his own brother, that's all, that's all there too. Um, wow, that's in the movie. Yeah. So most of the most of the things I had issues with were things that were obviously added as expansions to the story. And there you guys have been podcasting with, with me long enough that, you know, how my brain works <laughs> Like after I watch the movie. I'm like, wait a minute. What about um, so like how come he didn't notice they'd taken the bars off the window? Yeah, that was one of my big or notice the hole being dug with the rug right, right. over it. Right. And, and why is he using the phone as a weapon instead of, I don't know, oh, the fucking lid to the toilet? I don't well, know. Well, he uses uh, that later. One of the things I noticed early on in the film, the, on the first viewing, was he goes to wandering around his cell and he goes to the toilet and there's no seat on the toilet. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, why isn't there, a, which is like, that's weird. Why isn't there an actual seat on the toilet? Um, I, I, I don't remember that being a thing back in 1978. Um, and I thought, well, maybe there was no seat, so they couldn't take the seat off and beat him with the seat. But well, then, of course, the the tank. <laughs> there's, there's, then there's the lid on the tank and, uh, there's a, I mean, I don't think he's going to pick up a giant carpet roll, um, <laughs> to beat him with, although it would have been funny to see, uh, but there's a, yeah, and like, he doesn't give him, uh, a fork and knife. Uh, or well, you don't really need a knife for scrambled eggs, a fork or a spoon to eat his scrambled eggs. But you know, he still has a a plate. Uh, well, and when I did listen to a podcast, uh, a different podcast review this movie, and one of them, one of the co-hosts on that show, uh, couldn't get past the fact that uh, this guy took the the time to reno the basement and soundproof it and left the phone on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can get past that because he had this affinity for that phone because he'd heard it ring before when it was not connected. Yeah, yeah. So, so that doesn't bother me as much. All, all that, that to say, there, there, there are a bunch of little niggles in this movie that you can pick at, but it's it's mainly yeah. due to having to expand it to a feature length. 
I think the big one, though, is pulling those bars down and there's no consequences. Right. They never gets touched again. That's not true. They do show up again. Um, Because he puts them in the bottom of the pit. Yeah, he he twists his ankle. It's also weird that that that's what caused that. that. Okay. The basement would have that window there in the first place if he's keeping prisoners there. Painted it black, or which is as easy as painting the window black. Never mind bricking uh, it up. Bricking well, it up. Exactly. No, just what I what I thought was odd is that if I understood the layout of the basement correctly, that window was basically across from the door when you enter the room. Okay, so it would have been like other than the kids sitting on the mattress, it would have been like the first thing he looks oh, at when he looks into the room. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like, how did he notice? How did he not notice that the bars were gone? Right. Right. Yeah, there, there's yeah, a couple the of unanswered questions. There's no doubt about it. They could think of. I mean, there is a scene where he, um, the, where Finney wakes up and he's been sitting in the room watching him. Uh, I don't remember when that was. I think though that was kind of early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was early. Yeah, it was early. So yeah. probably, so there probably was nothing much to see. Otherwise, he doesn't spend much time there. He's sitting upstairs waiting for the kid to come up. Break the rules. Other than because yeah, play, he's playing Naughty Boy. Yeah, but, you know, every, he, I mean, who knows? How, I mean, again, they had to condense even the movie, so he probably went down there once or twice a day anyway to, to bring but food. But his, or... his eyes were on the boy. <laughs> I do oh, like, how, I like how he got the steak out of the freezer to give to the dog. <laughs> Also in the in the story, no mask. In in the story, the, the killer's just a really fat bald guy. Kind of oh. like me. I like this better. Well, you know. I like this better too. All right. I yeah. what, what was I gonna say? I think that this uh we we have the running joke of the Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's whatever. Chekhov is just just unleashing his body fluids all over this film. Right there's Chekhov's whole <laughs> Chekhov's combination lock. Check right Chekhov's combination lock. Chekhov's meat locker. Uh, Chekhov's uh, psychic visions. Uh, <laughs> you know, Chekhov's pinball boy. Chekhov's all this stuff. It's like Chekhov, Chekhov, everything. There's all these things seated in the film, not subtly because it's like the whole point. I you know the 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 wire right is another one. The, all of it's there. Yep, all yep. of it's put in there. Um, Chekhov's toilet seat, right? Um, because that's what he <laughs> ends up hitting him with. So uh, Chekhov's little uh, little rocket ship. It's all there. But one of the things I like about it is all of these things, each ghost has a purpose. Each ghost gives him an ingredient to be, beat the bad guy. But mm-hmm. none of them actually tells him how to do it. They each try to help him get away. Each of them fails to help him get away, except maybe Robin at the end. Mm-hmm. And he has to put it together to find a way out. So, like, the one kid tells him about the wire, and he's like, well, what am I supposed to do about that? He has the idea to get it and loop it to try to climb out to the window. And well, when that the bottle work, points he, up. He puts the, the, uh, the, bottle points the, the, the carpet. Up. What was that? The bottle points up to the window, though, right? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, about oh, them. Spins and then points up. Uh, yeah. 
but but again, none of those work. So he has to figure out his own way of doing it. So it so this isn't a case of our hero is being led along. He actually still has to have some agency, and he isn't saved. He does still save himself. Yeah, he has to get over his fear of of fighting back and all that. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Uh, I did like this little little uh, epilogue scene at the end where he's back in school. They're like, "Oh, that's him! I thought he'd be bigger." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because he was the guy that killed the grabber. So. Right. And then he, and then he actually, I mean, he all he does is state his name, but he basically flirts with the girl that was clearly interested in him. That's yeah. always the scene in finding for the one. Oh, that, that's the, that the Chekhov's girl because they had her watching the baseball. Absolutely. Yep. Chekhov's <laughs> chick. Chekhov's chick. Yeah, there you go. Right? Um, I do have like two problems with the ending. Uh, problem number one, uh, it's supposed to be a happy ending where the boy uh, escapes his tormentor, finds freedom, and gets to, be, to go home to his sister and uh, abusive alcoholic father. <laughs> uh, that's correct. Uh, now they have the father say, you know, get down on his knees. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, you know, I love you. And the uh, guy kind of got the impression that the kids weren't buying it though. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I am, I am, uh, I was blessed. I was not abused, uh, by my, by my parents, but my understanding is that's not an unusual thing for, for abusive, drunken, alcoholic parents to do, uh, <laughs> is, you know, like how many people do you know that, you know, have the bad hang over the next day. It's like, I'll never drink again. Never and then, that, again. Like, yeah. And, and right. So that's, that's a little, uh, unfortunate, especially since they really didn't need to, um, make him an, well, have they make him not. abusive. Yeah, they did not. Uh, and, and I don't know the, the rationale for that. Um, I don't but I'll circle back around to that. I, I it was this, which which is a, that a the padded story time and b um it kind of gives you a, a, a reason to the brother and sister have a stronger bond because uh, they've been through that together. And, well, I I don't know that you'd need. I only added like a minute to watch the girl getting beaten. Um, no, that was a yeah, terrible scene of the entire movie. That was pretty bad. Yep. Yeah, I. I I did not like that scene at all. That was it. That was terrible. <laughs> no, but but I'm not talking about just that one moment, Mike. I'm talking about the entire abusive relationship. Right. Well, you know, though, and, Eric, and that, that I, mean, I was fine I, with. But you know, I, I've I've seen hundreds of kids that weren't abused that were brother and sister or brother and brother or sister and sister that had that type of relationship as well. So it still isn't necessary, as Mike. Kind of is alluding to, so I can see Mike's point is all I'm saying. No, you're all wrong. Um, the other, well, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying what rings hollow for me. It's sort of like the, oh, it's Dorothy gets to go back to her sad black and white world where her dog's going to be put back to death, back, uh, put to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right. That was, that was probably maybe not the best outcome for the, for the, the character. It, it's, it's a lot to try to swallow to make it a happy ending for where the kid's going to end up. Um, I think we're I, supposed to believe that the dad is going to turn things around. I don't buy it personally. I don't, and not, I especially not from the look on the kids' faces. She yeah. just kind of puts her head back down on his shoulder. Neither of them smile. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, and it, the it, other it, thing it, is. Oh, so the other thing with the ending is there's this uh, a shot, like the the pan up uh, after the the boy walks out of the house, and you hear one of Detective Wright or Detective So and So, whatever his name was, saying, "Oh, and he kept the bodies in the house on across the street while the boy was locked up in another street because he owned two houses." And at this point, it's you know you can't see the, the actor's face, so you can't see if his lips are moving, but it sure <laughs> as hell felt like. Oh, in case you couldn't figure out what was going on in the test screening, what, which what house Bob? was which, and that left you confused, <laughs> right, right, right. we're going to give you this unbelievably pointless uh, exposition uh, to let you know. I think I it was, was, I think I think it was pretty was a, obvious. I don't know. I, I thought that was a voiceover from or a, a news reporter, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a cop. I can't remember. Or maybe it was a news report. Whatever it is, it just felt like it was very obvious that it was. Well, Mike, if you look at the box office receipts for Jurassic World Dominion, you'll realize that a lot of moviegoers are really dumb. <laughs> yeah, but they're used to being dumb. They're used Damn. to being confused. So. Right. Oh, yeah. So, and obviously, I went to see this a second time and not Jurassic World. Um But, yeah, so that so that was like a, just, that, that's a very nitpicky thing um, on that ending. Uh, again, otherwise, I, like I said, well crafted. I'm not sure. Like, I guess the kid couldn't even the the brother wouldn't even even hurt him down in the basement. That's correct. Yeah, okay. uh, the brother basically was there for some reason visiting, and uh, never went into the basement. Well, and and, and then he only went in. You know, when the he, short he story shows so short. Uh, it's pretty clear that the only reason that Finney survives is because the brother showed up unexpectedly. All the other kids got taken out before they had a chance to figure out a way to save themselves. Gotcha. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because um, that's more realistic, right? Because if, if mm -hmm. the brother shows up, the murderer can't do anything until the brother leaves. Um, right. But in the movie, they... Uh, had the brother, you know, go off for a day or two back to his house and come home and on and on. And so, so, um, but yeah, and it was brilliant too. I felt the idea and it obviously was, you said it was in the, the, the short story too, that the brother put it all together and he <laughs> was right. And that's how he finally decides to go in the basement because his research pointed to, uh Oh, this is the house. I mean, there's a lot less to it in the short story. Basically, the door opens and it's his brother going, oh, man, I knew he was keeping something secret down here. <laughs> oh, so they didn't show the brother uh, doing the, the work. Like in the no, 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 no. None of that. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the father. Um, yeah, I, like you said, Mike, a lot of that probably happens. Um the the thing that's terrible about it, besides the violence, is that the father, I don't think, would even do that or even be like that if he didn't have the behavioral health issue. In other words, uh, substance abuse with the alcohol. Cause well, I also think he might have been suffering from PTSD. Yeah, he was. He did. I think he did because he came back from Nam and he was all fucked up. Right. They so show. That, 
when we first see him, he's at the breakfast table uh, and he's reading a newspaper and the, the headline on the newspaper is something about veterans pensions or veterans benefits. Yeah. So it's not an outright statement that right. he's um, that a he's veteran. a vet, but, but, it's pretty but I think it's yeah. right. And then the fact that he's responding badly to loud noises. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, Mike. Uh, so that and again, that's something I didn't pick up on a first viewing. Now, yeah. does that mean I now empathize with him for beating his children? No, yeah. no, it but does you not. Empathize, you can empathize with his PTSD, though, and his alcoholism. Right. And then you throw in there and you get a, you know, his wife died for also these psychic visions. Suicide. Saying that she did and saying that they told her to do terrible things. I'm curious, yeah. and I do not want Black Falone in the prequel, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I am did she curious, say like, was terrible. That, what were the terrible things that she did or was being told to do? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because it made it sound like her visions weren't just visions. But well, and all of that is added for the, and, for the movie because in, in the in the short story, the husband and wife are both alive, and they just fight a lot. And and in this one here, so she had visions, but it seems like she may have gone to like almost like it was suggested as if there's like some entity that was telling her to do evil things or something. Well, no, I think she had the same kind of psychic ability the daughter has and passed it on clearly. And the the dad realizes this, and that's why he gets so upset with her when she has her dreams. Uh, but, is it reminds her of. Of reminds him of the mother, but but the mother. But he said that the mother was was being told to do terrible things, and so the mother finally just suicided because she couldn't handle doing whatever the terrible thing. So so it made it sound like it was more like different, and that he was meaning the father was worried that the girl, the daughter, was eventually going to have some weird entity tell her what to do too, and so he was trying to tell mm-hmm. her not to so do the dreams, beat the shit out of her every time she had a vision. Indeed, that's exactly what he <laughs> because did. Because that's better. Um, uh, no, I don't think. I don't think anyone. Well, pe- people, that. people with behavioral health issues do not always uh, behave rationally. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. Uh, and I, by the way, this was something else I picked up on the second watch. Is the boy was psychic too? He may have not been to the same degree. Right. Right. Well, that's because why he saw the, the ghosts. Because he. That's why he saw the ghosts. That's why he heard yep. the phone. Because they said that. You know, because I don't remember where what the exact exchange was, but he it's something along the lines of, you know, we we rang like the we rang the phone before, but nobody ever heard us, right? Mm-hmm. So the so the other victims didn't hear the phone. Right. He could hear the phone, and also the obviously that the means the grabber was also psychic. psychic. Um, now, Eric, and, Eric, was the grabber psychic in in the story? In other words, none of the psychic the stuff was in the short story okay, at all. So Okay, but but he did hear the phone. He had he did get that he one phone. He call. heard it ring once. Okay, did they have that conversation on the phone? You said he did with the baseball player, but did the grabber ever say anything about hearing the phone? The he phone? said he heard it ring once, like okay. I just said. Okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. Sorry, I misunderstood. <laughs> I thought you were heard the but... phone ring. He said he dismisses it as static electricity. Right. Uh, right. This had, he, he mentions it very early, which makes sense. When the kid was was abducted, and uh, I think you, I, I kind of didn't pick up on it again the first time, probably because I was trying to process everything else with the that was going on. Um, 
And yeah, so I think he probably would say, and again, he's saying uh, that, you know, so if he's here, maybe these are the things telling him to do the terrible things. Maybe these are the terrible things they were telling the wife to do. There was the, there's a scene and I, I was kind of surprised they, 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 they pull back from it where the daughter is praying and <laughs> praying to Jesus, Jesus, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> that line made me laugh so hard. She was Jesus, the best part of the film the for fuck? me. <laughs> Fart knockers. Right. She's but she's, awesome. But she's saying, uh, you know, you're sending me these visions. You make me you know, see these things unless, and my brain goes, okay, so if it's not Jesus sending you the visions, dun, dun, dun. it's, it's, the, it's and, a demon. It's something else. And, and the answer, as she comes up with, unless you're not real or you don't exist or something like that, she doesn't, she doesn't actually go that extra step. So the I so yeah there's a there's a question my who's who's sending in these visions is in what's what's causing them, you know they mentioned the the mom, I would actually I would not mind seeing, uh, a follow up to this story and seeing where the brother and sister are a couple of years later, um, because I think it's an interesting it'd be an interesting pair of people to just the, to follow. I was almost um, feeling like they were linked. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know what? I don't think so because she was having the dreams about all the the kids that were getting kidnapped. Not all of them. The one that had uh, that no that baseball. had no friends. That nobody. Well, and right, the base. We didn't see the baseball one. Well, because we we saw him get abducted. Yeah. And then the one that had no friends, the one that Finn saw hovering in the basement. Yeah. We didn't yeah. see her see him either, but I thought that was interesting because here was a person who had no connection with anybody whatsoever. Um, I right. thought it was interesting that with uh, with Pinball Vance, both of them are there. Yeah. Right. So that was another clue that the that the that Finn might also be psychic. Yeah. Uh, because he's also in the he's also in the dream. In that vision. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think the the most interesting part was, and this was all before the abduction. I, I think the first thirty minutes or twenty minutes were the best part. But when the daughter or the girl, the sister, gets pulled into the principal's office with the cops, <laughs> yeah. and 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 I, I don't mean the actual scene or or how she talked to them. I mean whatever. I I felt the thing that was interesting about it was, and we've seen it in other films where someone knows something they shouldn't know. And it was in a dream, and she says that, and the cops are confused, but it's a kid, so it can't be her, but somehow she knows, and she says it's a dream, and and on and on, you know, it goes on and on, similar to like the grabber says he just thinks it's a electrical um, static energy that turned the phone on for a second to ring. And, and, so, and, you know, you, those things is how you, you would think if you don't believe in the supernatural or, you know, this world here, if that happened, we, would anybody believe someone had a dream? So I, I thought that was really an interesting plot point and showed us that she did have something that, that could pinpoint something about the grabber. And, and I thought that was kind of cool. 
I do wonder what the the writers actually think of law enforcement because they seem pretty like incompetent and in, in sinister. Yes. And, well, um, now here I don't necessarily well, mind because the girl had things to tell them that nobody was supposed to know. Right. And but they seem to go really quick to oh well maybe she does have if you if you have any other visions. Now she finds out she knows something, so maybe she saw something and didn't remember she saw something, and that could come out in a dream. So I kind of get that, but there's a big difference between that and yeah, oh, you had a vision of a house with the number seven seven four six or whatever it was, and therefore right. that must be where the kid is. You know, let's bring out the entire uh, right. the, the entire cavalry. Uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, it was right, the 70s, a hard and jump. people pe- yeah, a people hard did jump. a lot of stupid shit in the seventies. And, you know, say, probably, satanic panic, all that stuff, right? Yeah, the they guy probably with cocaine went, on his table in the their, movie. <laughs> they <laughs> probably went home to watch In Search of, you know, and then cracked open their Time Life Mysteries <laughs> of the Universe books. Well, <laughs> and if you remember from uh, from Mindhunter, they really hadn't perfected. Well, I guess they still haven't perfected, but they really haven't even developed the methodology for trying to track down somebody like this at that point. Right, and, and again, this is, these are just local cops. And stuff, and not that they're bad or incompetent, whether it was sinister or here. But local cops don't have the resources that a state uh, troopers or or federal government uh, right. would have. So I just figure, I just think of them going back to the station. It's like we got a lead, chief. Yeah, what'd you find? We found a twelve-year-old girl with dreams. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, but that's not not what it was. It was that we found a twelve-year-old girl old girl who knew about the black balloons and no one knew about the black balloons. And so they were trying to get it from her and, and they asked the right questions, which is how do you know who told you? What did you see? And she just kept on going back to the, Oh, it was a dream. It was a dream. It was a dream. So they, they were asking the right questions and she oh, is a lead because she knows something that no one should know. But again, it's just a kid. So, you know, what do you do? I mean, it's a dead end, but, she said she saw the balloons, and it's just weird. But then there was, if you have any more more dreams, please call us. And then <laughs> right. she has the dream about, uh, well, she's you know riding around, bicycling in her uh, Robin Williams work from work vest, uh, yeah, or jacket um, of the yeah. the house with the numbers on it, and yeah, the, the tree so, that, that that was still in the springtime when there wasn't leaves on it yet, and all that other stuff that she she right. recognized, right. And and so they're still and, they, and again they just brought out everybody to go raid this 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 house and that could have been problematic. Right, <laughs> right. They, yeah, if they hadn't found anything, it would have been really problematic. But yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, and they knew the house because once they gave the information, they remember. I'm sure they remembered the brother, right? Because you can't forget a guy like that. Well, that was and the cocaine that sitting on the table. Was one across the street. Oh, you're right. It was the house across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they would have been going house to house to house to house that day. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. didn't just pick his and only his house. Right. So they, he, right. I could, she I was dreaming about getting. the house where the kids were buried, not the house that they were held in. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And which I thought was still good because it put the yeah. police in the right place at the right time. It yeah. had a. She ended up having a use, helps put those kids in theory to rest. Right, because they yeah. found their bodies, or at least gives their yeah, families, yeah. Well, they, their families they found whoever, whoever owned that house, they knew was 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 a guilty party because the the bodies are right there, buried in the basement. Right, so right. 
so yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. And I will say that uh, even though it was pretty cheesy, um, when the brother and sister reunited, I, I did get the feels. Yep. They didn't, but I'm like dead inside, so. True, true. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, no, I liked. I liked. I really liked the, the two characters. I liked their dynamic together. Um, that's why I said I, w- I would actually be kind of interested to see. I mean, I'm not sure that I need to see like a series of Hardy Boys stories with the two of them. Um, but yeah, it would be. I would kind of be interesting to see. Gets like, released what, in theaters. Hmm? It would be better than some of the shit that gets released in theaters. Yeah, it would be. Uh, but I've seen with me, this is is there is there more to explore here? And I do think there is. And like I said, I don't need the prequel story about the mom's psychic powers. I do but I think, but I do think, you know, all we've, we've, we've asked a bunch of questions about them. Was, is the brother psychic was the, uh, the phone man psychic. Um, yeah. So it'd be, I just think it would be really interesting to see where the direction goes. And also when the, the father, uh, after gets done beating the girl for her dreams, she he then does turn to the brother and asks him, uh, and he's and I don't think he asks him directly. Have you been having dreams too? But he basically asks in that insinuation of, have you you know do you have anything? Did you see anything? And he says no. So maybe he has had those dreams in the past. So I was saying the father after the father beats the girl. Yeah. For having dreams, he then turns to the boy and basically asks him if he's seen anything too. So maybe he's right. had those dreams in the past also. Yeah. Or or something similar. You know, maybe right. they yeah. just have yeah. slightly different psychic abilities. You know, one right. can see visions and one can talk to ghosts. Right, right. Or 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 he was just concerned, right? I mean, if he had PTSD and then he saw his wife go nuts. And then he saw his wife say that she was told to do evil things or weird things. And then he sees his wife suicide and probably was the one that finds her. I'm sure that doesn't help his mental health. So maybe when any time his daughter said something, then he just assumed maybe the son too. And he was just freaking out. I I don't know. Well, I do think, and and Eric pointed out the absurdity of it, but, mentally ill people are, are often absurd. I do think he's generally frightened for his daughter to have these visions and, and doesn't want her da- his daughter committing suicide or doing whatever terrible things the mother was being told to do. And for all we know, actually did. Um, so I, I can understand that. I'm not saying I understand beating the child for having dreams that are helping the police. Uh, but I can certainly understand why, you know, the emotional conflict he would be dealing with. Sure. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously it was the seventies. So, uh, spankings were more apt to happen though. He wasn't spanking. He was, he was using with, with, with a belt. However, uh, if he wasn't a person with PTSD and, uh, alcoholic, I, I, I don't think he would have done that because it, he generally did have fondness for both his kids, even if he wasn't necessarily fit to uh, 
be their caretaker with his own um, behavioral health issues. Oh, I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to defend uh, child abusers here. Uh, oh, but, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not implying you are. I'm kind of understanding exactly. What no, you're but I'm saying, but you know, child people who abuse their children may still love them, but they usually are coming out of abusive relationships too, and their whole association between beatings and love is all screwed up, and um, it just gets worse when alcohol and drugs are involved, and they're they're people who need help. Uh, never, well. never mind. Never mind having PTSD as well. Right. Indeed. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do, uh, did we want to bring up? Uh, specific scenes, uh, story points. And I whatnot. just uh, I enjoyed the school stuff uh, mainly because it was nice to remember a time when all you had to worry about was the bully in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about anybody wandering in with a gun. You just had to worry about getting beaten up. Or picked up by a guy in a black van with no windows. Well, true, true. Uh, and I know we've, I think we've talked about this in the in the past as the with, with the Dean Coral, the Candyman killer. You know, the guy who owned a candy factory is the reason why we're no longer allowed to take candy from strangers. Thanks. And, and that and that happened in in the seventies at that in the late sixties, early seventies. But yeah. people just kept disappearing from this town in Texas, and they just assumed they were all running away because they, and there were all these like young boys. I think just well, they must all be running away. You know, it was like 22 mm-hmm. kids ran away because, <laughs> as again, going back to Mindhunter, the concept of the serial killer was a, a and even the term serial killer wasn't there yet. Um, I mean, obviously, they knew about, say, Jack the Ripper, but it's sort of and H.H. And Holmes, I'm sure. But it just wasn't as widely understood a phenomenon. Well, and people didn't want to, from, want to grapple with the fact that their missing children yeah, the, were being sexually abused and murdered. They hadn't had a, t- a terminology for it yet, or, or a study of it yet. Even though, well, they and also it. just the so, way the world was at the time, it was a whole lot easier to believe that a kid ran away than a kid was abducted. Yeah, because we realize at that point just how common it is. Well, and as the media got bigger away. and bigger, the the news became faster and faster, so you you know learn about it quicker. It oh, became a bigger deal. We've probably gone too far the opposite direction. The odds yeah. of a kid actually being abducted is small. You know, we have 330 million people in this country, but something like 70 million, 80 million school age children. A handful of them are abducted by someone other than like the parent in the middle of a custody dispute. Um, but we all hear about it. Right. And so if a kid gets abducted in Colorado, we hear about it on the East Coast. And, and, and that just, and, and our instincts don't say, but that happened a thousand miles away. That person who did that isn't in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we react to it just as, as if it happened to our neighbor. Yeah. I'll I'll admit it. I mean, uh, when that girl, that 15 year old girl that went to the bathroom at the NBA playoff game and I don't know where the hell it was, uh, down South somewhere, um, and never came back. She had been abducted and yeah, I think it was Texas. And then, and they found her in Arkansas or Oklahoma or something. And that freaked me out. And that was only like what three weeks ago. And so, uh, I tell my daughter, you know, whenever they, I drop them off for a birthday party or something, 
if you don't know them, kick them in the balls and scream as loud as you can, poke their eyes out, whatever. And my oldest doesn't like it. And my, my, my wife thought it was kind of weird. But then uh, about two weeks ago, she's on board and she says, you listen to your father. You listen to him. Because, <laughs> yeah, it happens, you know. This is, well, this is why, why girl fights are so bad at school, because girls are taught no limits where boys are taught fight rules. You know, oh really? Cool. Screw that! I never went with rules. Whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. You fought. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I aim to win. You fought to win. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You throw dirt in their eyes. You do anything. You just win. Yeah. Amen, yeah, brother. I'm with you, Barrett. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it is scary. Uh, but Mike, you do have a fair point, which is, it isn't as common as you would think, but it's in the news enough that. It's 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 a horror story for sure. Well, just oh, like again. shootings. I mean, that shooting happened on July fourth, and then we had one that could have happened in Richmond, but it got foiled. Well, you know. Well, well, I'll tell you this. So we went to the parade on July fourth, and every year I look around. You know, a few years ago it was a uh, Islamic terrorist. Now it's liberal or uh, conservative kooks. You know, and then the year before that it was some other group, and you know, on and on and on, and. I started telling my daughters that again. And my oldest eight-year-old says, Daddy, I don't want to hear it. I don't want it. And my wife said, you listen to him. You listen. Because, <laughs> and sure enough, it, it happened in Illinois. You know? Yep. So I said, well, all right, if well, anything happens, you run to that dumpster. You hide behind that dumpster. And then when the guns stop firing, you jump over the fence into that person's back. I explained it all because it happens. And you're absolutely right, Barry. Well, and the, the problem is that, uh, which I heard somebody say, and it was a good point, is that once the unthinkable happens, it becomes thinkable. Indeed. Right. And that, that that's a, and they know this. They know this is a big issue with the school shootings. It's why after they catch the suspect of a mass shooting, you know, most responsible news outlets now will not mention the name again because they don't want to give this person more attention. And a lot yeah. of these people, they, they don't want you know, people doing that to become famous. Yeah, right. They don't want to do what? it. To They've gone famous. back. They've gone back to to naming the, and showing the pictures of the people again because they had stopped doing that for a few years and now they're back to doing it. But were they doing it after they'd already been caught or when they were on the look uh, hunt for them? Both. Or at least at least with the the one in that Barrett was referring to on, on July fourth. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, that's why. Yeah. Right, because I haven't heard his name. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, so. I, I did. Yeah. And then and then uh, the kid from Buff, uh, not Buffalo, the kid from where you you live, Mike, that went up to Buffalo and then. Uh, the other kid down in Texas that 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 did uh, so, <laughs> too many to keep track of. Yeah, yeah, right. right <laughs> That's right. So sad. And, Within and the last few weeks, months. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> last last four weeks anyway. Uh, you know, and, and never mind the smaller cases. Like I said, that girl that was kidnapped. Uh, you know, it wasn't a shooting, but the same principle. You know, it's a horror story. So it's yeah, it's out there, and and this kid. And this movie shows it, and so it's kind of scary. It's it's just well, and, and the I've thing heard, is though, the thing is though, is as as much training as you want to give your kid, if the kidnapper has a system, right, yes. it might not matter. Like this right. guy with the black balloons and the and the hey, I'm a magician and I drop my stuff. Will you help me? Right. Um, yeah, well, like Buffalo Bill, act like that. They can probably get the jump on a kid, even Ted if Bundy. they are, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Ted Bundy did the full grown woman. Yeah, yeah, well, but Buffalo Bill, you remember? People around. He, he 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 pretended he had a broken arm, and then he clubbed the girl over well, the head. That was a fictional character. Ted Bundy actually did it for real. Sure. <laughs> but, 
but but I mean, well, the show fortunately, the movie, most yeah. of our criminals are mentally disturbed and are not right in the head, and they they don't come up with really good iron proof plots. Right. The and the and ones the, in movies science do. Is, his science is caught up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I've even heard like speculation that. So I guess maybe the serial killers are down. They think that might be because they've just switched over to becoming spree killers, which then brings into, well, did the focus on serial killers end up also creating serial killers where these people, you know, are people who had violent thoughts and they didn't have a West world to go to, to blow off steam. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, to play sports. yeah, whatever. So they, so they ended up, you know, becoming serial killers, and now, oh, wait, no, the, the cool thing now is to become a spree killer. And, right. you know, maybe that's it. And, you know, it's... Look, you're, you you have 330 million people in this country, and we have a violent culture, and we're not going to find a silver bullet to get rid of them anytime soon. And it's a scary right. thing. It's an unfortunate thing. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, what was it? Chicago this past weekend, and I think I mentioned it, just a podcast... A week ago, too. I think I think it was the the one that you weren't on with us, Mike, where the Norwegian film. I was talking about how fifty people got murdered in Chicago like two weeks ago, and and this week there was like forty seven, and it's like that's a lot of people, you know, and 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 they're not spree killers either because it's it's by fifty seven different people that did the fifty seven killings, but you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But I, I know what you're saying about the spree killers because people are. Uh, just do it all at once, and you're immediately on the on the news worldwide. Well, and also let's face it, a lot easier to be a serial killer in the seventies than, yes. than it is now. People yeah, moving around, around, there weren't cameras. A long way. Yeah, yeah no, no DNA. DNA yeah, yeah exactly. there are a lot of ways to get away with it then. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I said, the science is caught up, and, and uh, a lot of them are are when you look at these, there are almost always people with records, all these people. Um, I think the yeah, only yeah. one I can think of was the, uh, the Las Vegas shooter that like, didn't have oh, a history yeah, of red yeah, flags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. but all the rest, I mean, I saw a quote from the, 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 the latest, the July 4th, when the project, well, there were no warning signs. Yeah. And, like, there was the, and he, but there was like, they painted something on the side of his house the day before. It was just, there were warning signs. You didn't want to see them. Uh, right. but we, we see, but I'll tell you in schools, we see parents who are in denial about their kids constantly. Now they're not, I don't oh, think yeah. in denial in, in denial about them being serial killers, but you know, I, I've just had this conversation about a kid today. It's like the mom. My is, little Johnny couldn't do anything no, like no. that. His only problem are his friends. No, he is not taking any drugs. It's like he couldn't remember. He just went like he asked me to go to the bathroom five minutes after he came back from the bathroom and didn't remember. He just came back from the bathroom. Um, <laughs> right. now, a problem. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. For this guy here, the grabber in this movie. Now, his system was 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 a something I'd never seen before in, in a movie that portrayed some of these kooks. And that was where he wants, he won't hurt the kid or he doesn't want to hurt the kid, but he wants them to try to escape. And then when they try to escape, then he's going to beat the shit out of him and probably kill him then. 
they're and, naughty then. Yeah, he want, he wants yeah. to give them false hope that if they behave they'll they'll get out of here. And then punishes them when they quote unquote oh. misbehave while all the time setting impossible rules. Yeah, one of the worst things he did, I thought, that we saw. Um, um so I can't speak to him actually murdering the children. Um was when he asks Finn his name. Uh-huh. And Finn lies. Right. And he says, it's a shame. I was, I was thinking of letting you go. Right. Now, yeah. you know, and I know he was never letting the kid go. Right. Yeah. Um, but the kid probably doesn't know that the kids, especially it's not in his right mind, you know, and, he, and he's going to be blaming himself. And why did he do something that stupid? And, sure. and he's playing head games, right? He is, he is a phrase that we've been using a lot on the podcast. He is, he's gaslighting the children. Right. Um, and, and we don't know, like if he's, is he hearing voices that is making him do these things, but he finds, he finds, he finds the little boys nice to look at. So where maybe let's say if their mom was being told to do terrible things, she would resist. He was like, you know, okay, I can get my little boys this way. Right. You know, yeah, and he was so, shirtless, right? When he was waiting for the for the kids up in the in the kitchen, you know. Yep. So it's kind of weird was fetish. already off. A weird fetish, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep, belt was already um, off. You. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, kind of, uh, we haven't talked about the uh, the mask. Yeah, yeah. I think was was a really neat way of doing it. Um, it's yeah. a thing they've been doing on and like for collectible toys and for, for a while now is giving like interchangeable faces. And so like you could have like, you have like your, your Batman figure and you can pull out different shins to give him like a growl or a scowl or neutral face or whatever um, to give him different expressions. And so they use that here. And I think it was Tom Savini and I didn't remember who the other person was that was responsible for the mask design. Uh, But I thought it was really well done. Um, I thought but, it was but, neat because yeah. But who who did the, who did the mask? You said Tom Savini was involved in was involved Tom in the film. Yes, he designed the mask. Oh, how about that? I did not know that. All right, continue. And there was somebody else who designed it with him. Uh, I now I have no idea what the actuality of this is. Was it um like this is a person who works for Savini and Savini's just there getting the credit? Was he That's like? A- Savini's assistant and his understudy because Savini has been around for a while. He's getting up there in years. Sure. Um, so I don't know how that exactly worked, but I just thought the mask was just a really, really neat uh, piece of artwork. And uh, like it's, it has a distinct form, but it's also very rough in the way that it's sculpted. So it, you could plausibly buy that. It's something that was, was handmade. Um, that he made himself. Uh, so there's a lot, I and mean, it also gives a lot of surface texture, a lot of imperfections. There's actually like a mole sculpted in over the uh, top of his lip, if you look at it. Um, but then you also have, and also gives him a number of different looks because you have times where he's got the, he's got the top covered and the, the bottom uncovered. He's got the bottom covered and his eyes exposed. And then, uh, and then he's got the three different expressions where he can be 
the smiling face, the angry face, and then just when he first meets the kid, there's no expression at all. Right when he first wakes him up. Yep. So it's all the same mask, but it manages to avoid being uh, repetitive and still allows expression, which you'd want. I don't think you want a Michael Myers mask for this character. But it's definitely not cheesy either. It's just well done. And it's well done. It's also part of that is that it's you know well lit. Uh, it's well shot. It's also how uh, Ethan Hawke uses it. Yeah. Uh, and, and emotes through it, which sometimes can be can be challenging. Yep. Any further comments, anyone? Yeah, what I'm about good. you? No, I'm I'm good. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up uh, about this film? Anything that we missed? Well, I mean, we could take a round of uh, if you were going to abduct children and murder them, how would you do it? <laughs> Let's not do that. Yeah. 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 That's 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 not good. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a horrible game, especially while you're being recorded. Yeah. 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 It's like writing yeah. a book about your significant other and then killing them, you know, write about killing them and then kill them. No, not a yeah. good idea. Let's not do that either. Yeah. yeah that's not good. Um, all right. I guess that's it. Yeah, I get where we hit a, a spot where no one wants to bring up anything else. So I guess we'll, uh, wrap up our discussion on the film uh, so we can talk about some news or what we've been watching or stuff. So obviously the big news is uh, James Caan, uh, his passing. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see someone that was born in 1940 this old, because uh, I'm sort of used to, you know, people that were alive in the 1930s and Khan was considered a good decade younger than them and, 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 it's crazy, so time flies. Um, but speaking of James Conn, um, he was uh, probably best known for Sonny in The Godfather, uh, but he did a number of, of films. Uh, he was uh, A-lister for a good many years, though uh, most of his, the films that he starred in um, that he was the lead uh, were unfortunately, um, I guess, um, forgotten or reviewed just average and so forth because i know he did a john up like run rabbit which was a, a pretty good book that won the pulitzer and, and they made a movie and i saw the movie and the movie was just okay um and then he was he good some, in way of the gun loved him in that <laughs> the that was a supporting role though right it was a supporting role yeah. but he was great in it yeah that was uh ryan Philippi and, and bernardo del toro right yep yeah um but also he was good in elf <laughs> yeah, but, but, then, but then he came back and he did uh, Misery, where, where he was pretty good in that. Um, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, he's, he was considered a, a Hollywood, you know, the in crowd. Uh, and uh, he he passed uh, this this week, um, actually today, uh, the seventh of July, twenty twenty two. It was interesting too his role uh, because. Um, as Sonny, you know, he was the lead. James Conn was kind of the lead for the first half of that film. 
you know, I won't spoil it for a film that's over 50 years old now, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was, uh, pretty awesome. Um, uh, how he, how he did it. He was like one of the only people that didn't speak Italian in that film, uh, for some reason. Um, Mike, your thoughts on James Conn and his career? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have more thoughts uh, in a future episode of Dark Discussions. Yeah, that's a fair point. So we, we won't go into our thoughts on him because we're, we're going to be doing a tribute episode of him probably coming out uh, the, uh, the week after this one. Um, so rest in peace, and we'll talk a little bit about him uh, next week. Um, now, uh, let's get into any other news or what we've been watching. So, uh, well, I do want to mention um, that... The horror community did actually lose somebody else, which was uh, horror author, uh, mostly zombie fiction author, uh, Peter Meredith. Uh, He had actually, for some reason, reached out to me on Facebook uh, about a year ago. Uh, And I think he was, like, asking about getting into, uh, like, the, uh, what do you call it, Uh, Scares of Care, if I remember correctly. So anyway, I started following him, and then it was just a couple of weeks later... Uh, he was a man who was, uh, I guess, 52, 53 at the time. He uh, announced that uh, he was diagnosed with dementia. And he just passed away a couple of days ago due to an accident. Um, no details about the accident. If it was related to the dementia or, or what it was. But um, uh, early 50s, I think he's I'm thinking 54, but I could be confusing him with someone else. Um, but if anyone is just interested, you know, uh, horror writers, you know, they may have a lot of books out there. Uh, they may be famous within the horror community, but unless their last name, uh, rhymes with ring, they don't often have a huge amount of money. So if you want to support the family, you can always go buy some of his books off of Amazon uh, and throw a few pennies their way. Um, I'm sure every little bit will help and maybe, you know, Help keep some of his memory moving, uh, living on. Fair enough. Uh, was he a ma- main big time author, or, or was he, he well, mostly the, the, indie? I don't know who his publisher is. I, that's not the kind of thing I pay attention to. I, okay. I've heard of some of his quick. books. The the I think the biggest yeah. one he had was Generation Z, was one of his books. He has a, a series of books called The Lost Survivors, another um, uh, the Undead World series was his okay. but he's got a, a fairly large library that i'm looking here okay. uh, on on um on amazon so if anyone wants to do that that's just a thought fair enough uh also uh it's on the house mr torrance uh joe turkle lloyd the bartender he yes. passed away uh this week as well um that was my favorite scene oh, oh. Also, oh. Emmett Tyrell of the Tyrell Corporation and Blade Runner. That is that is right. That that which, is actually yes, yes. Which right. which stole the final shot of the of unused shot of the Shining. Yeah. So, so there's a nice little uh, roundabout circle uh, that's, that's connecting right. he, the two connections yeah. between those two films. Yeah, yeah. His death in in Blade Runner was pretty awful. Um, but yeah, yeah. He played Lloyd DeBart, and that was that was the best scene of the. Uh, the movie, my opinion. I love that scene where Jack Nicholson talks about Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine, for that matter. It's great. 
so Joe Turco, rest in peace as well. Uh, what's the author's name again, Mike? Peter Meredith, spelled Peter like Meredith. it sounds. And, of course, James Kahn. Uh, all right, so let's get into uh, what we've been watching recently, and uh, let's go with you, uh, Eric. What do you got? Um, well, I actually rewatched a bunch of stuff. haven't really uh, gotten any new watches under my belt since I saw the black phone. Um, revisited Independence Day, uh, as well as Jaws. Those are both Independence Day watches. Um, uh, I don't know what possessed me to rewatch this, but I did. I rewatched Dolores Claiborne, which I personally think is one of the strongest adaptations of a Stephen King work. Um, people just generally don't think of it as being Stephen King because it's a drama rather than a horror movie. And then I rewatched the taking of Deborah Logan. because so I was trying to put together a top 10 uh, possession movies list. Um, and I remembered liking that movie. I think we even did an episode on that movie, but I couldn't remember a whole lot of details about the movie. So I went back and watched it again. And man, that is a solid movie. More people should talk about that movie. Um, it's on. I don't usually see it under possession films, but I usually see it on top 10 found footage films. It's, it's good. It's solid. Um, so if you haven't seen it, it's available on shutter. currently. What's the name of it again? Sorry. The taking of Deborah Logan. Okay. And what makes it a little different than others is that it starts out as a documentary being filmed about a woman who's suffering from uh, dementia. Um, And then she starts suffering from more than dementia. (laughs) And and it has one of the biggest, what the fuck did I just see shots in a film in the last 10 years? And I won't spoil it for anyone, but if you've seen the film, you know the shot of which I'm speaking. Yeah, yeah. So it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. So that's what I've been watching. All right, sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Um, I've been watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Evil. Um, I really like Evil. Uh, this third season's just as fun as the last one. Um, it's a just a great show. And Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds is really good. Um going back to its original roots of a story each episode. So that's really enjoyable as well. Is evil on Paramount plus. Yes. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yep. Oh, so it moved from Netflix to Paramount plus. Cause it used to be on no, it's a CBS show. I don't know if they're still airing it on CBS. Uh, it's like streaming what? only. It's okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, so it moved to, from Netflix. They were playing the older seasons on Netflix. Now it's uh, they were, Netflix. yeah. And then once they made it streaming only, I think for CBS, it became one of their, you know, yeah, their shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, I gotta watch the one thing on Netflix I want to watch, so I can shut that off and do Paramount Plus. God damn, all these streaming services. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, What's the one that you're watching on Netflix? Uh, I, I want to watch uh, RRR. I've not gotten to that yet, but it's like a it's a three hour undertaking. It's a oh yeah, I know. I was looking at that too. I've heard it's a totally wild uh, Bollywood type of endeavor yeah. with musical. It sounds like it's a lot stuff. of laughs. Uh, people have been giving it really good reviews, so I want to check it out. Yeah. Um, lastly, Westworld. You guys are doing a podcast on it. Um, I'm, I've enjoyed the first few episodes. Um, I thought. It's 
pretty good. Uh, I liked last season. You guys didn't really seem to like it that much, but I think this season is better than the last season so far. I was right. on board with the last season until like the last two episodes when I realized there was going to be fuckery without a satisfactory payoff. Eric was way ahead of me on the curve there. Well, and this season I, I, seems I, to have totally ignored that season, so that's, that's, that's kind of yeah. too. bothersome. Yeah. But <laughs> stuff happened. We're moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else, Barrett? Nope, that's it. All right, Mike, what do you got? Uh, I'm a couple episodes behind on uh, Strange New Worlds. Uh, I'm enjoying Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus. I like the Obi Wan series on uh, Disney Plus. Also, some really awesome Darth Vader stuff uh, in there. Yeah. Um, but I think the show I'm, I'm enjoying most, uh, two shows I'm enjoying the most right now uh, each week is uh, The Boys, which I think the eighth episode dropped. Oh, today. I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's a. It is a. I. I thought the first I thought the second season was a bit of a drop off from the first uh the third season um the third season there's a is just I think might be the best of the three so far agreed um, and uh the other thing I'm watching and I've mentioned this on the podcast before is on Apple Plus is a series uh called uh For All Mankind which is uh starts out in 1969 as an alternate history where the Russians beat America to the moon and the, each season Soviet goes for Soviets. The fucking Russians, uh, the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how does that change events going forward? And each season is usually just over a couple of uh, weeks or months. And then the next season moves forward about a decade. So you go from uh, first season is, like I said, 69 to maybe 1970. The second season, you're in uh, 1983, I think. And then the newest season starts out in 92. Then kind of for uh, four reasons, Flash uh, moves forward to, I think, 1994. Um, and so you start seeing how history plays out a little differently. Like if anybody knows Ted Kennedy, his history plays out very differently, um, than it did in real life. Um, but that's all mostly background stuff. And it's more a matter of how does, how does, what happens if the space race never ended, right? Because the Russians got to the moon first and that sticks in the Americans cross. So it's like, well, we're going to be the first ones to build a base on the moon. But since the Russians are already on the moon, they're like, fuck you. We're going to build a base on the moon too. And so the third season is, is who's going to be the first to get to Mars. And, <laughs> and of course now it's, it's a, it accelerates the timeline a bit. So there is a, uh, a wildly implausible idea of this, uh, multi-billionaire, uh, entrepreneur who wants to be the first one to get his ship, Tomorrow. That would so never that, happen. <laughs> so that so that adds that that third party there. Um, and we're oh four episodes in. Um, and, and that's been, and that drops every Friday. And I can't remember if each season is either eight or ten episodes. And it's it's neat because you know they they have actors still from the first season, and then like Joel Kinnaman, uh, who I'm trying was from. Um, RoboCop remake is the first thing that springs to mind, but he's done a lot of genre stuff. Um, you know, he's his actual age in the first Suicide season, Squad, now right? 
Suicide Squad, right? He plays Colonel Flag, and now he's um, got twenty years of old old age makeup on him. Um. So yeah, yeah I haven't started the latest season yet, but I can second the recommendation as a solid series. It is. It is. It is a very good series, especially if you're at all into alternate histories or you're into uh, space exploration. That the whole NASA thing. Um, it's definitely uh, a cool show. It's by by the way, it's made produced by uh, Ron Moore, who is the guy who did. Um, was a writer on Next Generation, was a uh, producer on Deep Space Nine, and then went on to do the new Battlestar Galactica. And he's got another show on Showtime. I'm blanking on the name, uh, but it's a time travel romance series. And one thing I'll say about stuff on Apple TV, as far as the content goes, it's hit and miss uh, for me as whether I like it or not. But it all looks absolutely fantastic. They've got mm-hmm. budgets. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing I watched, The End of Stranger Things. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. You're halfway through the oh, last, the uh, second to last episode. All right, sounds good. Uh, I think uh, that's it, right? Everybody else done? All right, uh, I don't have anything. I, I haven't watched anything. You, start, uh, just, but you, uh, you started exposing your... Evil, Phil? Uh, no, I, I, I played that. Uh, I don't, I haven't done anything. I, I didn't play any video games. I mean, you I started exposing any... your child to, uh, letting her play Far Cry 6? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Far Cry 5. To learn, to learn about the evils of, uh, religious cults? Yeah, Far Cry 5, we played that for a little bit. We played Stranger, Life is Strange. Have taxi driver yet? Uh, I wanted to see some of the commercials on, on YouTube. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, actually, that's not true. I did a couple of things with my daughters. You're you're absolutely right, Eric and Mike. I I watched Troll Hunter with them. Uh, oh, yes. And my that's da- actually I, a good crossover. Yeah, like yes, be- yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of like Jurassic Park or dinosaurs, but it's trolls, and and so they well, thought- the trolls look kind of goofy, even though they're realistic. Yeah, yeah. So they thought that was great. My my six year old thought it loved the film. And so we watched that, and then we watched half of Return of the Living Dead. Uh, just fast forwarding, of course. Just fast forwarding. Well, because it were it was Fourth uh, of July, and so she you had didn't a stop and watch the parts that you like. Oh, well, I, I had to. I, we had to fast forward the the dancing on the tombstone. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I was saying. She, yeah. She, she's a she's a young girl, uh, so I don't think she's going to be quite as interested in the scenes that Phil is really fascinated by. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe she is. I'm not judging. It was my uh, wife that 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 didn't didn't uh, appreciate the that scene as much as uh, uh, I would. I cared, you know, you know because uh, little girl, <laughs> she she shouldn't see nudity. Shut it off. So we fast forward that scene. Well, but, I mean, a little girl goes into a locker room at the the swimming pool. She's going to see what she saw in. That's right, Carrie. You know, yeah, you yeah you, you weren't <laughs> yeah you weren't getting right. you weren't getting Mr. Johnson. That's right. Uh, but we, we just fast forward. Happy wife. So, happy life. Yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah, the the wife uh, you know looked at it and say, well, it's not appropriate for a six year old. So we, we'll fast forward it. But it's okay. Some of the zombie killing. So so we watch that. Um, so we watched half of that, but then we had the. How old is she now? Just so uh, we, she's, we understand. She's six. She's six. She's six. Yes. Yes. Not your kid, Mike. Leave it alone. She's. she's I'm not. I'm just. She's I'm just. I'm just. I'm just waiting for the podcast 
Like, my dad let me watch Taxi Driver when I was seven. Yeah. yeah well, what if he, honestly, um, that, neither, I mean, Return of the Living Dead isn't really that gruesome. Ep- I mean, it's more, I don't know stupid. how to explain it. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's not stupid. It's a good film, but, but it's, it's not like, uh, like certain films that would, are really, I mean, t- today without the nudity and some of the profanity, it, it would probably be a third PG 13 film, to be honest. That's all. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, I mean, it was no, put it this way, it's no worse than Jurassic world dominion. And, and we went to see that. The only difference was that there's some extra profanity and, um, the the tombstone thing. That's it. Otherwise, it's you know people getting eaten by dinosaurs, people getting eaten by zombies. It's all good. Um. So yeah, that that was so that's about it actually. Yeah. So that's why I've I've watched it. Yeah, she's fearless. She loves that stuff. It's, uh, uh, completely different than that. <laughs> the other cool. is it a young one? Yeah, the eight year old though. She she's not a fan. She, like the troll hunt that she would left and only saw like. 15 minutes of the film, but my six-year-old, she wanted to know, let's do it again! I got my niece introduced to horror moment. Um, she's way too young right now. She's only three, but her mom is not a fan of horror films, uh, yeah, yeah. but I've gotten my little brother into them, so I've got to conspire with my brother to try and sneak in there with some crossover material at some point. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But, but actually, my troll hunter is a good, good, good choice. I'm gonna keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some profanities. I mean, we we watched the dub and and every you know, there's a lot of sh- shits and stuff. Mm-hmm. My wife wasn't, I didn't appreciate that. But my my six year old goes, I hear it all the time, Ma. You, it's 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 just fake. It's just fake. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's bad word. It's kids are kids are sharper than we give them credit for a lot of oh, times. Big time. Um, um, yeah, there, there, there is, there is definitely an age point, and it gets going to vary from child to child, where things yeah. are, where, where they don't have that separation, you know. Right. And like, I think, like watching the Blob when I was five scared the shit out of me. Right, right. Um, now it's very laughable. I can't understand why I was traumatized by it. Right, right. You know yeah, what? I, I just watched Jaws the other day, and I still understand why I was traumatized by Jaws when I was five. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's five, five. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was six or five too. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but uh, what was it? Uh, she did ask my six year old uh, when we were driving home from trivia last night uh, because they they do trivia with me. It's daddy time with them. Uh, they go. She goes. Is the new dinosaur movie that we saw at the theater last uh, two weeks ago on the TV yet? And I go, no. And she goes, ah, that's not fair. Yeah, because she already wants to watch Dominion like 10 times more. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Have fun with that. Yeah, yeah, not, not that. I don't go watch, that's for sure. <laughs> but, but she enjoyed it. You know, she enjoyed it. It is a, it's fun for kids. Uh, you know, I don't remember if I've mentioned this. Uh, did I mention that I saw they had uh, Fathom Events and re released the thing in theaters? Yeah, I went and saw it. Okay, and all right, I would represent it. So just so you know, Poltergeist is coming in September, though, so that gives you time to plan in advance if anyone's interested. Cool. All right. The original right. Poltergeist, not the the the, the remake, the completely yeah. forgettable remake that I frequently forget actually was ever made. Indeed, <laughs> I remember one part of it. <laughs> I, I uh, that it might had, be more I, than I do. I remember it had a good cast, but that's about it. 
Was it well, Sam Rockwell yeah. in it? Yeah, he's pretty yeah, good. Sam Rockwell was in it. Yeah. I remember there was a drum. That's what I remember. I don't even remember that. I'm. Uh, so. <laughs> it doesn't have the guy from uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead in it. So that guy was awesome. He just died a couple of years ago. I forget his name. Craig. It became with a K. His last name. Karen. I think his last name was Karen. Yeah. Well. Anyway, well. Uh, I think it's time to wrap up. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's give our final thoughts on the black phone. But uh, before we do, uh, Eric, we actually, I guess you do another podcast with your buddy, Dan? I do. Uh, we do a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. We will soon be recording episode number 500. You can get that podcast wherever you found this one. Excellent. And Barrett, myself and you just wrapped up the month of June for another podcast with uh, with a couple of co-hosts, Sean Fox and Amy Rain. Yeah, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Uh, we did Pride Month. We did a movie every week. Uh, take a look at them. Listen to them on uh, the website. All right. And uh, Mike, uh, me, you, and Eric just started up uh, a podcast that was on hiatus. <laughs> yeah, that would be Bo's Brothels and Bots, which is a Westworld podcast, the aforementioned uh, TV series uh, aforementioned by uh, Barrett, which has started its fourth season. We're two episodes in, six episodes to go. That's right. And Eric, me, you, and Mike, uh, when we get time, we, we do another podcast. Yeah, that's why I started laughing, because uh, I thought you were talking about that one. Um we do we do a podcast called Cinema a la Carte, uh, where we talk about all the movies that Phil wants to talk in dark discussions but are inappropriate. There you go. <laughs> all right. So uh, I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this film here, The Black Phone. And so uh my opinion, yeah, it was a pretty good film. Uh it had some issues. Uh it wasn't as great as uh Derrickson and Cargill's last film, uh that uh, well, it may not have been their last film, but but the film that I remember them for, which was Sinister, and uh, that film was awesome. But this film was a good, good film. Ten years later, follow-up type of film had the same kind of ideas with with ghost kids and stuff. Um, good film. Uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. Oh, let's go viewer. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it does have a little stuff uh, you can nitpick at. Uh, not not a perfect movie, but certainly a very enjoyable one that I would recommend people go catch it in the theater if they could. All right, Barrett. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really well done. Uh, it'll probably be in my top ten. Um, I highly recommend seeing it in the theater. Mike? Yeah, I have to kind of go back and review my list for this year. Most of my top films this year are more art howdy fair, uh, art housey fair, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like first or hatchling, um, or X. But as far as things that I think uh, horror films would appeal to a mainstream audience, I think this is probably the best one. If you have, uh, children who are 12 or 13, other than a few fucks, um, I think it's also very appropriate for them because there's nothing too graphic, nothing too violent. Um, the most disturbing thing is just them talking about sneaking off to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
So, uh, yeah, that, that, so I would definitely recommend this film. It's a high recommend. It's probably going to be on my top 10 list this year. Uh, yeah, minor, minor nitpicks, I think is really all there is. Um, I don't think there's anything substantially wrong with it. And what's there is really good. Right. Well, that's interesting you say that because uh, like my six year old, like I said, I, I would let her watch Return of the Living Dead, but I don't know, or Jurassic Park, or, you know, Dominion. But this one, I don't know if I would let her watch because of the violence uh, by the stepfather. Never mind. I, I said the, 12 years old. Your daughter is yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking for my own daughter. You know, I'm not not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying yeah, I don't think I would. Well, like it's it. also yeah. the violence is aimed at children. Yes, and yes, kids may have a harder time. Kids like seeing adults murdered because they can't do it themselves. <laughs> right, right. And they're just like, like seeing, enjoys watching children get murdered because he can't do it himself. Not that you can prove. Anyway, <laughs> what, what, let's let's move on. So uh, the, the film is called The Black Phone. Uh, based off a short story by Joe Hill called The Black Phone, uh, directed by Scott Derrickson and co-written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, uh, the two folks that did Sinister. Uh, the film stars Ethan Hawke and James Ransone coming back from Sinister, as well as actor Jeremy Davies and then the children uh, Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw. Uh, the film is presently at theaters wherever Movies are. It's a big picture distributed by uh, Bumhouse, but also Universal. So it's 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 got a big release. Um, and if you are listening to this after the fact, uh, eventually, of course, it'll be anywhere VOD and discs and whatnot can be found. So, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you do this out? All right. Thanks for tuning. Let's just talk about the Black Phone. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Thank you.